We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. The Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible, our final preseason, offseason, non-regular season episode of the Music City Audible. Exciting. It is exciting. What's crazy is you and I have never done a regular season (laughs) podcast because we took over during the playoff run last year. So that was football, but not regular season football. So we will get into a game preview next week, which is super exciting. I mean, the Titans are on the field and closed practices starting on Thursday, which was earlier today. So they are officially, Mike Vrabel even said it, officially on to Denver. That's pretty crazy. They're on to Denver. They're preparing for the Broncos. It's exciting, man. I can't, I can't believe um, that it's here and, and, and how soon we'll be watching uh, some Titans football, man. And it's crazy because it's like not felt like football season at any moment. Oh. I mean... We had a, like, when they first hit the field for training camp, we started getting some Twitter videos. It was like, okay, football's almost back. But then we've, like, gone back into a little lull where it feels like football is still a month away, but it's way closer than that. It's so close, in fact, that this podcast comes out Friday morning, September 4th. Tennessee Titans roster cuts are due to be finalized for the 53-man roster. Obviously not final, final. They can keep going from there, but they have to be down to 53 by Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. So what we're gonna cover today is guys we think may or may not be on the bubble. Who, What guys we think may be like most closely fighting for a spot. We're not gonna go through a whole 53 brand projection, but we're gonna talk about the guys on the back end who may or may not make it and what do we think's gonna happen. And then we'll talk about the news. The Titans signed a new kicker, get into that. And there's been a lot, there's been a flurry whirlwind of insane madness about Jadeveon Clowney on Twitter as of Thursday evening. We'll close out the episode by touching on that stuff. But first, I want to ask you, first impressions, 53-man roster, where do you think this Titans team stands, and how do you think they're looking as we head into Saturday? Yeah, I think they're looking pretty good. You know, one thing I did, um, you know, I I wrote up a bit of a 53-man roster earlier this afternoon. I was just kind of playing around with it. And I had a bit of a tough time getting down to 53. And I think that's a good sign. You know, obviously, when you're struggling with with figuring out um, who they're going to cut, it's a good thing, right? We've been around long enough, or I've been around long enough to, uh, to, to see some Titans rosters where, unfortunately, it was... It was real easy to get down to 53, right? It wasn't exactly a, a whole lot of depth going on. So this is a deep roster, and I think they've got some very difficult decisions to make. Now, this episode's obviously releasing um, on Friday, Friday the 4th. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, uh, you know, we, we could technically, it, it wouldn't shock me if we start to see some cuts rolling in tomorrow, with tomorrow being Friday. Right, and we saw some already, not from the Titans. I mean, we've seen some cuts from the Titans as they've been churning, but... We've seen some like official more or less cuts that teams are planning to do for the season this past week with Leonard Fournette getting released by the Jaguars with Mohamed Sanu being released by the Patriots. So some bigger name guys that have already been released. And the Eagles, the Eagles, not to try not to cut you off, but the Eagles, I thought that was the closest thing we've seen um, so far. The team's really releasing some 53 man roster news because the Eagles just put out a tweet where they had cut about seven or eight camp bodies. It wasn't any roster churning 
it didn't, they didn't really add anybody. They just released about eight guys. So I think there's a good chance you, you could maybe start to see some movement on Friday from the Titans. Yeah, and, and on the inverse of that, you could start to hear news of guys who have been told they made the roster, which I know you're trying to get as much of as you can. Um, so keep an eye on our Twitter timeline on Justin uh, at Justin M underscore NFL's timeline for potential breaking news regarding oh. the Titans roster. Not to put I'm pressure on you. I'm always working a source. You know, I'm always working a source. <laughs> so we, uh, we'll see how that unfolds over the, over the next day and a half or so, because like I said, Saturday, they have, they have a hard deadline. They got to get it in by, but let's just take a look now at some of the names on the back end of the roster. I think that, you know, most seasons, Trevor Simeon and Logan Woodside would be competing for one backup quarterback position. But as we sit here right before cuts in this insanely affected year by the COVID pandemic, what are you thinking at quarterback? They keep in three. I think they keep three. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think uh, I'm leaning towards keeping three. Obviously, that would be a deviation from what they've done over the last several years, right? They've only kept two quarterbacks several years now. So uh, it's tough to say, right? Do they, do they get away from what they've done or do they stick or, or, or do they stick with it? So, but, but I agree with you. I think because of the unique challenges that the coronavirus could possibly um, have on this season, I think they're more likely to keep three. Look, if they don't keep three this year, they're never going to keep three. Right. And I think that they will. So let's move past that. I think, yeah, Simeon and Woodside both offer different things. You know, Woodside has a tremendous understanding of this offense. Simeon obviously has real life NFL game starting experience. So I don't think that either one is a complete package. So you, you kind of do need both because you never know what's going to happen with this kind of year. Um, at running back, they just brought in Jeremy McNichols. I think he's one of the guys that's really fighting for a spot that, I mean, Darrington Evans seems like he's healthy again. He was back at practice on Thursday. Obviously, Derrick Henry's going to be the bulk of the going to get the bulk of the rushing workload in this offense. And Kari Blossom game, who is technically a fullback, could carry the ball in a pinch if it was if he needed to. So, as much as I liked McNichols last year and what he did in the preseason, he didn't make the team last year. I don't really see that changing this year. Yeah, it's funny you say that. You know, initially I thought that, I thought he had a pretty good chance to make the team. Um, you know, and I, of course he still has a chance, but when I started putting pen to paper this afternoon and I started actually mapping out a 53, um, you know, things kind of change when you really dive into it. And I left him off because when I, again, when I really got down to it, I, I just personally, I, I couldn't find uh, a spot here for a fourth, a fourth running back again. And that's of course counting Kari Blossing game as a back. Um, I just couldn't find that fourth spot for him. I agree. I don't, I don't know that they keep four running backs, even though it's a super run heavy offense, like not to discredit any of the running backs, but if they had to pick somebody up off the street in the middle of the season to, to hand the ball off to, that's not the worst case scenario. And I think that that's a position you can do that at more than any other. So keeping only three there is well, realistic to me. I'll tell you what is the worst case scenario. If they do have to pick up a running back off the streets to hand the ball over to at some point, True. that means something very bad happened to either Derrick Henry or, or, or Evans. Or. So, yeah. yeah, and or. So let, let's not hope for that. Yeah, the season's probably not going well if that happens. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about wide receiver now. This is a position they usually have kept six at over the, over the past few years. I think that they might only keep five because they might keep a fourth tight end this year, which is not something they've typically done um, in recent years. But I think at the, you have the top four pretty clear. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and Khalif Raymond, who this time last year was battling for a spot. 
I think has solidified himself as the wide receiver four. So it really comes down, in my opinion, to Cody Hollister versus Rashard Davis. I think it's going to come down to who can contribute more on special teams. I don't know what they think of Davis as the primary punt returner, but where do you lean between these receivers or, or do you have them both on or both off? That, that's a very tough conversation for me. That was one of the most uh, difficult decisions uh, that I played around with in my head uh, this afternoon because I think Rashard Davis, you know, he, he's a little bit similar, right, to a Khalif or even an Adam Humphreys, right? Not the biggest guy, right, in, in, in the room. And he's a speed guy, you know, kind of like Khalif. Whereas Hollister gives you something totally different, right? He's that big-bodied guy that they really don't have on the back end of this roster. So to me, it'll be very interesting to see if they only keep one of those guys, where they go. Do you go with the guy who can contribute more on special teams in Richard, uh, or, or do you go with the guy who gives you more um, uh, as a direct backup to, let's say, a Corey Davis or an A.J. Brown, right? A big body that can play on the outside. I personally went with, uh, with Davis just because I do like him in the punt return game, and I think they'll like his special teams, um, you know, what he offers on special teams. But I think that's one of the more difficult decisions I made. And again, that's assuming they don't keep six. Right, and I'm with you on that. I would lean towards Davis as well. And Mike Vrabel, I don't know if I just said this, but I might have. But Mike Vrabel said specifically that when it comes to the backups, if, if there's a tie or whatever between two guys, and maybe you'd normally use preseason reps to break that tie, this year, you have to break that tie how? And Mike Vrabel said, a lot of times it's what else can you do? Versatility and the ability to play on special teams. Because when you can only have so many guys active on game day, you need to be able to use them in different ways, especially if they're a backup and they're not on the field for the majority of the offensive snaps. I don't know if Cody Hollister can play special teams. I don't know if uh, Davis has a bigger special teams role than just as a punt returner, if he can also be a gunner and cover out there outside. And another guy we didn't even mention is Cam Batson, who I think, unfortunately, is just the odd man out here. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I love what Cam offers. I think they clearly like Cam. The reason that, you know, that's the reason he's in camp once again this year um, after spending all of last year on IR. It, it's tough, man. Look, if they, if they I, I wouldn't rule Cam out. Let, let's say that, right? I don't think it is incredibly obvious that they're cutting Cam Batson. You know, I think Cam absolutely has a chance. Um, you know, again, I, I personally left him off my projection, but I, I wouldn't say that that Cam doesn't have a chance. He certainly has a chance. Agreed. Um, he has a chance, and I think ultimately he could end up on the practice squad. He's still eligible for that after spending last season on IR, so there's a chance that that's what ends up happening with Batson there. That way they can keep him around potentially use him in the event of an injury this year, et cetera, et cetera. Let's talk about the Tennessee tight ends, not the Titans, but the tight ends on the Titans. Um, obviously, Johnu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, top two guys. I think, to me, Michael Pruitt is a lock, but they did bring in Jeff Swaim fairly recently to um, compete as that you know primary, primary blocking tight end guy. Do you think he unseats Pruitt? Do you think they keep four tight ends? What do you, what do you I think, think there's a better chance that they keep four than there is they let go of Pruitt. I, I, I'd be beyond shocked if they were to let go of Pruitt. I really would. So I think it's more, if they keep three, I imagine it's Swaim who, who, who gets released. So, But I do have four on here. I've got Pruitt and Swaim. I'll tell you one thing I like about this tight end group. Obviously, Jonu is a lock, and I know a lot of people may consider Anthony Ferkser a lock, and he probably is, but they've cut Ferkser a whole bunch of times throughout his career. You know what I mean? So... Uh, I, I do think they keep four, though. I think they keep John New. I think they keep Ferk, of course. Uh, I think they keep Pruitt, and I think they keep Swain. 
Yep, that's where I'm at as well. Four tight ends on this roster that wants to run a lot of two tight end sets, wants to use a fullback a little bit with Boston games. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. Offensive line wise, I don't even know who what the back end of the offensive line depth is going to look like. We've had a lot of injuries in training camp, a lot of guys who haven't really been out there. There's Daniel Munier, who's a, like a guard center backup, who's been running a lot with Ben Jones and Jameel Douglas out. But I mean, we know the starting five are obviously safe. We know Isaiah Wilson is obviously safe. We expect Ty Sombrello to be safe because he was brought in in the offseason on a, not a big contract, but an offseason free agent contract. David Quisenberry, Jameel Douglas. I just mentioned Munyer. What do you think happens at the back end of the O-line? Yeah, so I got eight on my final 53. Um, That's another thing. Once you start writing it down, you notice how things change. I I thought there's a chance they would keep nine. um, And maybe they still do. You know, I mean, Nate Davis injury doesn't sound serious, but, you know, they they could maybe want a little extra protection there. And if you do, I think you have to go with nine. But I have eight for now. I got the obvious six. We we all know who the obvious six are. And then for seven and eight, I kept uh, Jameel Douglas. Uh, and Ty Sombrello, as you said, uh, you know, uh, you know, Q was was the tough one of the toughest cuts I had to make. And when I say had to make, you know, I mean, while making my projection, um, if they keep nine, I think it's Q. All right. I, I agree. He did catch touchdown last year. He has more familiarity. So that makes sense. But I, they probably end up with only only keeping eight there um, on the defensive line. Moving over to that side of the ball, of course, Jeffrey Simmons, Daquan Jones. They brought in uh, Jack Crawford this offseason as a free agent, so I expect him to make the team. Fifth-round pick, Laurel Murchison, seems like a pretty good chance that he makes the team. Would be actually shocked if they cut him. But then you have guys like Matt Dickerson, Isaiah Mack, who are honestly probably fighting for one spot between the two of them. And then you also have like a guy like Joey Ivey, who's most likely getting cut, unfortunately. But what do you think about Dickerson versus Mack? Yeah, I mean... I'd be, I'm with you. I'd be shocked if they cut Lorel Murchison. Look, I had a very interesting phone conversation earlier this afternoon with somebody in that, you know, in that building um, who told me that they've been incredibly impressed with Lorel Murchison, that the, the feedback on Lorel has been terrific, terrific. He's, he's way ahead of the curve. Very, they're very, very impressed with Lorel. I think there's a good chance that Murchison plays some snaps for this team, more snaps than maybe people think at this moment. I'm with you on that fifth spot. I have them keeping five. I think it comes down to Isaiah Mack versus Matt Dickerson, as you said. That's really a 50-50 toss-up to me. I personally went with Isaiah Mack. I think that Mack's been playing well in camp over these last few weeks. I think he's made a good little push. So, But again, that's another one of those very difficult decisions when you're weighing Isaiah Mack versus Matt Dickerson. And they trotted him out for a Zoom media conference. Um, right. which doesn't really mean anything. We did. We do, also saw Greg Joseph on a Greg Zoom Joseph. media call right. last week and he's gone now. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, Cause we're going to finish off our roster with the specialists. It's going to flow perfectly. We'll get there. Now we move on to outside linebacker where of course, Harold Landry is really the, the, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say the only lock. Kamala <laughs> Correa is a lock. Deandre Walker is a lock, but I mean, Man, this is position he? is DeAndre Walker is a lock. I only because the position has so little. The Titans are. I didn't realize how bad they were hurting for depth here. Um, obviously, this all hinges on Vic Beasley's health and availability. He's still on the NFI list. I, on Thursday, he did return to the practice field to work on a side field with Mike Vrabel, which, as our own Mike Herndon has pointed out on Twitter, is 
kind of a rite of passage for Titans players returning from injury for Mike Rabel to get out there and work on them a little bit. You can read his article, Mike's article about that on broadwaysportsmedia.com. But let's assume Vic Beasley is healthy enough to be activated for the, and to make the final roster and not start the season on PUP or anything. We got Landry Beasley, Correa, Derek Roberson, who had a lower leg injury a couple days ago, was back at practice riding a stationary bike. So we can safely assume that it's not a serious or season ending injury. He may not be on the field for a couple of weeks. We, again, we have no idea, but it's at least not going to be something that keeps him out long term. No surgery or anything like that, no. obviously, if he's out on the field. Roberson, um, I exchanged texts this afternoon with somebody close to the Roberson situation. They told me that, whoo, that's a strong kid. And he got a little bit lucky as well that uh, it could have been a lot worse. It didn't look great. Uh, someone texted me the video of, of, of how it happened and, and what happened. And it didn't look great. Uh, but that's a strong guy. And that's a lucky guy in a sense. Um, but it, it looks good to me, man. The news that I heard is very good. Um, if he misses any time on the field, I don't imagine that it's, you know, as of now, again, of course, it's just assuming he doesn't suffer a setback. But as of now, um, it, it doesn't look worse than maybe a one, two week thing um, at most. So he got very lucky. It was great news. I had a great conversation earlier and I'm um, happy to hear that. So it'll be interesting to see how the Titans handle it, though, because like you said, they're hurting for depth. Now, look, I ultimately think funny enough, I think it's going to work itself out just fine. Now, I'm just making a prediction here. It's not I'm not citing any any sources on this one, but. I do think that Vic plays week one. I think that maybe Robers, maybe, you know, Roberson will maybe be 50-50. But I do think that Vic Beasley's on the field week one. I think the Titans are just coddling him a little bit. Uh, you know, Zach from the F-Words pod, you know, he, he kind of predicted it. He did a good job saying, watch watch Vic do a little something on Thursday because it's going to be close, more close to the media on Thursday. So he doesn't have to answer all these, you know, crazy questions that, of course, you know, Paul Coharcy is going to ask him. So um, I think it's just one of those things where the, this is going to get a little bit better as we approach game week. I think the Titans are being very strategic with how they're managing that group, specifically Vic Beasley, and now to an extent what they will do with, with Roberson. But if Roberson does have to miss more, let's say, you know, more than two weeks, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that 53-man roster. You know, can, can you really, can you keep Roby on the 53 if Vic is going to miss a week or something, then then you're really thin there. You know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows what you do there? So that's going to be tough. Ultimately, I think they do keep five. Of course, I've got Landry. I've got Vic playing week one. Of course, Correa. Um, and I've got Roberson and, and, and DeAndre Walker. I think those are the five that make the 53. And I think at least four of those guys will be active um, f- for week one. So I've got six here. I've got the five guys you named plus Jadeveon Clowney, <laughs> which will provide massive boost and push all these guys down a spot, which will help the depth immensely. You're, 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 you're lucky we always record on Thursdays because when I saw the Clowney news come in, I said, damn it, I don't want to record with Graver today. I'm not going <laughs> to shut up about Clowney now. Uh, we'll get to that. No, uh, what <laughs> I really think is that we'll find out how healthy Beasley and Roberson are on Saturday if they keep five or six. Because if Wyatt Ray Absolutely. or somebody else makes the Wyatt roster, yep. that, that tells me that they are not confident in at least Beasley or Jamal, Roberson, you, if not. Don't, don't sleep. I mean, don't, I'm not saying he's going to make it, but Jamal Davis is a guy that they've been, they've been speaking highly of, right, in, in practice as of late. Um, I had a conversation with somebody in the Jamal Davis camp, um, and they're quietly confident too. You know, they're, Jamal Davis has had a good camp, so 
if I'm not saying for sure that he's going to make it, obviously, but getting into what you're saying, if they do end up having to keep six, let's say, because of extra protection there, um, depending on Roby and Beasley, then don't sleep on Jamal Davis's chances. Jamal yeah. Davis will go head to head with Wyatt Ray for that spot. And and Bowen, Shane Bowen also praised Wyatt Ray pretty heavily recently in yep. a Zoom call too. So they've been talking to both of those guys. Um, I think uh, Wyatt Ray probably doesn't qualify for the practice squad, but I'm just talking without, I mean, I'm just, that's not I mean, he was the same year as Harold Landry, right? right. So, I, so I, I would think that he would. That he would? Don't you get I three think, years eligibility unless you're on a roster? I think I think he was drafted the Harold Landry. Yeah, that would make this his fourth year. I'm not sure if he has eligibility left. Mm, you might be right. You might. Practice you squad might is right. very confusing for even the smartest NFL people to understand. So I'm not 100 percent sure Look, how that eligibility I, even works. But um. if, if if people think we don't sound professional by guessing this the other day, I had an agent text me the other day and ask me if it was 53 or 55 this year. Nobody knows anything. Rules are changing constantly. It's very confusing this year. You know, I, I, I was asked by another agent how many practice squad spots there are this year. St- things are all over the place. Things have changed so frequently um, this year that it's definitely all, a little more on the confusing side. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up the defense here. We got a few positions left. Inside linebacker seems pretty cut and dry to me since they picked up Compton, Will Compton. Looks to me like it's going to be five guys. Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, David Long is the top three. And then two depth guys who will, who will have a huge role on special teams in Will Compton and Nick Zubnar. Zubnar? Who that? Come on, get a better name. Zubnar? What? <laughs> Sorry. Any other thoughts on the inside linebackers? No, I have the same five that you have, right? I think Nick obviously is a big special teams player. Will Compton brings familiarity and plays special teams. I will say this, as much as I love Compton, he was one of my last four in guys just mm. because he signed so late, you know, into, in, into this thing that I think, um, you know, I, I do think he ultimately makes it, but I, I don't think it's, you know, 100% a short, a short thing. I just Googled how to pronounce Dezubnar, and it is that, Dezubnar. You pronounce it, duh, then zub, then nar. So I definitely thought you were wrong. I would have I guessed the D was silent. Yeah, no. Dezubnar. All right. Cornerbacks. Malcolm Butler, sure thing. Adoree Jackson, lock it down. Christian Fulton, will lock it down. Jonathan Joseph signed this offseason, and then it gets kind of dicey. I on, This is honestly a, a toss-up for me. I don't know if they keep five or six, but the contenders. Ty Smith, Kareem Orr, Kenneth Durden, Chris Milton, and are you considering Chris Jackson a safety or a cornerback? I got Jackson at safety. Okay. Um, I, I got six corners as well, Joseph being the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got Kareem Moore and Ty That's Smith. Those are the two that I'm going in with. So Even cut... Joseph. Look, call me crazy. Are, are we 100% positive Joseph is guaranteed a roster spot? Yes, I do have him on my 53. But, it, you know, if Joseph, and I'm just speaking hypothetically. I think so because of the season it is. If this was any other season and they could, like, if they had a lot of time to work with Fulton this off season or whatever right. the situation, but because like there could be a situation where they need a veteran who knows the defense on the field or on the sideline or in the locker room just to have another like coach on the field kind of, I mean, presence. yeah, that's, I think that's definitely the, the biggest thing he brings to the table truthfully, right. At, at this yeah. point uh, in his career, but I do have him, And then I round out with Kareem Moore and Ty Smith. And on that note, like Jonathan Joseph, 
making the roster as the fourth corner unlikely to play special teams. Um, right. I mean, he might get out there, but he's just getting up there in age. Christian Fulton might be playing special teams as the third or fourth corner, but I think that puts pressure on whoever, like, like somebody like Cody Hollister, if he's not contributing on special teams, he might lose a roster spot just for the sake of like, because at this other position, the back of the roster depth is yep. a veteran who doesn't play special teams anymore. Then you might need somebody at a wide receiver who can, and therefore Hollister. Absolutely. Misses. But anyway, I think ultimately I would probably agree with you and take six, keep Ty Smith and keep Kareem Moore. Kenneth Durden's had a pretty nice camp by all reports. He's had multiple interceptions. He had a two interception day. He's had other interceptions since then. I'm a but, big Kenneth Thurden guy. I'm and also Kenneth, I think he's a big special teams guy. So, but he seems destined for the practice squad again, I think, which is where he spent most of last year. Yeah, that, that's tough. But, uh, you know, again, Kenneth Thurden certainly has a chance here, right? They what all do. Hear? Yeah. This is, a, this yeah. is to me the biggest toss up is not just cornerback, but also safety where we know for sure. Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro, Kenny Vaccaro, Amani Hooker, Dane Crookshank. And probably Josh Kalu, after his work on special teams last year, make the team. I would guess that Chris Chris Jackson makes the team too, just because they drafted him this year. But that doesn't really mean anything. We've seen John Robinson cut seventh round picks. Like we've seen John Robinson cut sixth round picks. Um, yes, we've already. Seen, I have. Uh, I have six safeties here, which is crazy to me in theory. But I did keep six, right? Because of course, you know, KB Vicaro, uh, Amani. Uh, Crookshank, and then I, I kept both Josh Kalu and Chris Jackson just because they're both such good special teams players. Now, I know Jackson is a rookie, but he is going to be a very good special teams player by all accounts. So that's why I do have Kalu and Jackson. I think six safeties is a little bit crazy, but hey, when you're rounding out the back end of the roster, special teams matters. And Kalu exactly. uh, is one of the best special teams players on this team. And I think Jackson projects to be a very good special teams player as well. Yeah, it's almost the, the same point I was just making about Jonathan Joseph. So, all right, we'll round it out now with our specialists. Obviously, Brett, the MB punter, Kern, is going to be on is going to be the punter. Bo Brinkley, of course, the long-term long, long snapper. You've had the pleasure of speaking with both of them. I only got to talk to Brett Kern, but you got to interview both of those guys. I'm a and big then, Bo Brinkley guy, baby. Big Bo Brinkley <laughs> oh, guy. Yeah. What a what a what a what a swell guy. What a gem. And then today. Thursday, that is, the Titans officially signed Steven Gostkowski, longtime kicker for the New England Patriots. The deal is a one-year deal worth $2.75 million as a base salary, could go up to $3.25 million based on field goal percentage incentives. So we'll see how that plays out throughout the season. Now, you did the research. You wrote the article for BroadwaySportsMedia.com announcing this signing. Tell us about Gostkowski's background, a multi-Super Bowl winning kicker. Yeah, Gostowski, um, I w- you know, I'm certainly not surprised, right? Another former New England Patriot, yep. um, another former teammate of Mike Vrabel. Yep. How crazy is that, right? I mean, well, I, think that's, I think that's the third former teammate for Vrabel on the Titans. Yeah, Ryan Suckup in Kansas City, funny enough, uh, and Kendrick Lewis as well. So Gostowski is the third former teammate of that. That's crazy to me, but look. Um, obviously, you know, the Titans were not thrilled, you imagine, with the battle that was ongoing between uh, Greg Joseph and, and UDFA Tucker McCann. Uh, they, they don't go out and make this move, right, if they were, sat, you know, completely satisfied uh, with one of those guys. And, um, and it's obviously as much of an indictment on them as it is how unhappy they were, um, you know, with, with the kicking game. So Gostowski, obviously, you know, 
there's some concern here, right? Let's let's be honest. Obviously, he's one of the greatest kickers in NFL history. Um, he was released by the Patriots in March, as I said in my story, after he missed 12 games last year due to a hip injury. You know, hip injuries are, you know, a, a bit of a scary thing for a kicker. It gets even scarier when you're 36 years old. Of course, you know, unfortunately, the move was certainly a no-brainer for the Patriots, right? When, when you're at that age, coming off that injury, it saved them nearly $4 million against the cap, right? That, that's a no-brainer. They went on to draft, you know, a kicker on day three and who had that whole weird occurrence, but I'm not going to get into that. But um, Gostowski was 7 for 8 for field goals, right, before he ended up on IR in October last year. He went 11 for 15 on extra points. That's not great. 11 for 15. That's just 73%. That is not good. Now, of course, you, you, you figure that he was trying to play through that hip injury, and that's tough. So that, that, that's obviously a very tough thing to do. Um, obviously, the Titans worked him out. Clearly, the workout went well. They wouldn't have signed him. Uh, after how bad uh, they managed the kicking situation last year, they, they can't afford to mismanage it again. That's not to say they, you know, it's impossible that they mismanage it again. You know, maybe they will, but they certainly can't afford to. Um, and, they, and they're obviously confident that he's passed his injury. Um, and ready to get back to his accurate self. Now, one of the biggest surprises for me here was that they cut Greg Joseph and not Tucker McCann. You know, I think Joseph was battling through a bit of an injury right now as well, and that's probably what made the decision. But but I definitely was was quite surprised um, that Joseph was the kicker to get let go today. Um, I don't know if that was, again, it could have been injury-related. They, they, they didn't really say one way or another. You know, Vrabel didn't really say one way or another if that was injury-related or not. Um, but it certainly was a bit of a surprise. And they did talk about potentially, um, you know, trying to sneak a kicker onto the practice squad, which, which I'm expecting, right? With the, you know, normally you would not ever keep a kicker on the practice squad, but now you've got four extra spots, right? You've got a 16-man practice squad this year. I think that definitely gives them room to keep a guy like Tucker McCann on the practice squad. Well, you definitely do at this point, just given Steven Goskowski's age and the fact that they don't, I mean, obviously what team all... He's 36, right? And they don't have another kicker waiting in the wings except for potentially McCann one day down the road. So I, they, they could always call Cody Parkey back. <laughs> well, they might be able to if he's not on a, if he doesn't get scooped up by somebody else. It, Chicago brought him in for a workout just a few weeks ago. Um, but I think it's, yeah, interesting. I mean, that's the only reason to keep McCann is if you plan on keeping him past the cut day and put him on the practice squad because otherwise, I mean, you know Greg Joseph's not eligible. He's too old too much accrued NFL experience. So well, there's no other reason to keep the, I mean, if this was like a competition for who was going to win the kicker between Goskowski and whoever's left, then it would, you would keep Joseph to have them battled out. But this tells you that Goskowski is your kicker for better or worse right now for the Titans. And I think that it could be worse, but it could be better too. I mean, the Titans just did this thing where they take a kicker coming off a of surgery over the off season and, run him out there thinking he's back to normal. Now, obviously, Ryan Suckup must have had some sort of setback because by all accounts, they were planning on him being the kicker in week one and right before the season, they put him on IR, right after the season, they put him on IR. Whatever they did. They put right after on, the preseason, you mean, I believe. Right, they had to put him, they had to make the final roster or else he wouldn't be able to be eligible to be brought back. But he was on IR to start the year and was like, what, what's going on with the kicking situation kind of thing? And when he came back, obviously it was terrible. The Titans had like the worst field goal kicking percentage in like 30 something years of NFL kicking, like historically horrible kicking. Well, they percentage. were eight for 18. They combined it's eight for 18. That's under Cairo 50%. Santos. Under Cody 50%. Uh, it's unbelievable. Truthfully, it's truly unbelievable. Cody Parkey 
Cairo Santos, Ryan Suckup, and Greg Joseph combined to go eight of 18 last year. It's really bad. I mean, that's partly really because bad. the Titans were really good in the red zone and didn't need to kick field goals in the red zone, which means all their field goal attempts are naturally going to be from beyond the 20 yard line, which means they're all at least 37 yards. Like that's the shortest field goal the Titans would have kicked last year, given how good they were in the red zone until the playoffs against Kansas city. They finally had to kick a field goal in the red zone, but that's, so that's part of why the numbers are so bad. And so that'll just naturally balance itself back out. But I am, I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't have concerns about Goskowski's age and injury history when Steven Houchka was also brought in and also potentially available to sign and is a little bit younger, not much, but has a little, at least a little bit better history. I mean, he played all of last year. He had a decent year. He's only one for five from beyond 50 yards, but he had a decent year last year and um, looked to still be playing at a pretty high level. Oh, obviously, this means the Titans have faith in Goskowski. They watch the two of them kick against each other, presumably, in a workout setting or one after the other, whatever. So, I mean, they have like more knowledge than you and I, obviously, but just based on what I watched on the NFL field last year with the Bills and the Patriots, I would feel more comfortable if Hauschka had been the guy signed, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I had a, would have had a ton more confidence in Hauschka, truth be told, if that was the signing. I'm kind of on the same wavelength um, when, when I think about both of them. Hoshka has definitely... Um, you know, has started to decline as well as he's gotten older. True. So, I mean, you know, Hushka would have been entering, you know, this is his 13th season, right? He, they drafted a kicker. They, you know, the Bills, the Bills did, of course. They released him, only saved them $1.5 million in cap space, and it, it actually left behind $1.5 million uh, in dead money. He was 22 of 28 last year, right, and one for five from 50 or more. Um, you know, last, that's a 78.5% mark on field goals. Not, not, not exactly inspiring either, right? Especially entering, you know, his age 35 season. And, you know, it's, and the number to me, it's not an outlier. He was an identical 22 of 28 the year before as well. So we, we've seen the decline coming with Hoshka as well. Uh, I'll be honest, whether it was Hoshka or, Gust- or Gustavski, um, I, I would be equally as, uh, as skeptical. So uh, we'll see how this works out. You know, I thought Vrabel had an interesting quote today saying, look, we're not bringing him here to give him a lifetime achievement award, which I appreciated, right? They're not, obviously, you know, right. they're not bringing him here because of his name or, or what he's done in the past. Obviously, they feel the workout went well. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yep. All right, let's talk now about the biggest flurry of news that happened on Thursday evening, which was, of course, the Devion Clowney tweet storm from all angles of the, of the NFL, from the uh, unverifieds to the big wigs like Ian Rappaport and Diana Rossini. I'll just kind of run down what happened. So it started with this Saints guy. His name is Nader Mirfik. Apologies if I butchered his name. Nader Mirfik, who is a, a reporter for, I don't know, host of Sports Overtime. Uh, he's got 13,000 followers on Twitter, so he's not nobody. But he tweeted out very boldly and very confidently, breaking news. My source just called me and said the Saints and Jadeveon Clowney, he spelled it wrong though, so take that with a grain of salt. He wrote Jade Von Clowney, or, or Jedevon Clowney, are working on a few details in the contract, but he should be signing a contract with the Saints by Monday. Not so fast, Nader, because we have an equally unsubstantiated report from a guy named Neil Driscoll, who writes for Pro Football Network, saying that he's hearing the Titans are the front runners. And somebody questioned, I hope this is right. And he said, it is right. So this guy's pretty confident it's the Titans. This other guy's pretty confident it's the Saints. 
both guys putting their non-existent reputations on the line here. Let's talk about the bigwigs who tweeted about this. Diana Rossini jumps in and says, Jadeveon Clowney could be with a team very soon. I'm told the Tennessee Titans and the New Orleans Saints are both making strong pushes to sign the free agent. Both teams want him on the field by Monday and are making their pitches. Not to be outdone, Ian Rappaport says, for free agent pass rusher Jadeveon Clowney, he's been planning to sign before week one for months, but based on having to clear COVID protocols, it has to be by this weekend. Decision time is coming, and the Saints hope to make it a no-brainer. Of course, so do the Titans. And then it got really interesting because Tom Pelissero of NFL Network tweeted, the Saints are sending an all-out blitz to try to sign Jadeveon Clowney, who has spoken multiple times to Coach Sean Payton, sources tell me in rap sheet. At least two other teams still involved as Clowney's extended free agent saga nears a close. And this is interesting to me because earlier today, Charles Robinson said on, uh, I think on 102.5 The Game in Nashville, that Clowney wasn't talking to anyone and that teams were getting really frustrated because he wouldn't talk to them and is trying to get his agent to convince him to talk to them or something. Like, I don't know what to make of that report. My reading on that was Clowney doesn't want to talk to teams that he's not interested in and that's why it's getting frustrating. But the Titans were also mentioned as a team who had tried to bring him in for a physical and, and failed to do so. But finally, I want to get to the last bit here, which is Ian Rappaport says, the Titans have also maintained interest in Jadeveon Clowney with the Seahawks monitoring. The Saints are pushing hard. And finally, Diana Rusini, later 6.18 p.m. Central Time said, while the price for Clowney is too high. F- oh, sorry, this is the funny one. Well, the price for Clowney is still too high for Seattle. I'm told the Jacksonville Jaguars are also monitoring the situation per sources. Yeah, listen, Jacksonville, you guys can monitor the situation all you want. Right. Clowney is not choosing to go play in Jacksonville this one year where you guys have just unloaded your roster and are clearly tanking. Like, that's the most ridiculous, like, just Why would they even it. want him? I, exactly. It doesn't make sense. They got Allen on one side. And uh, they just drafted Kalon Chase on for the other no, side. No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying why would they want him because they're too good. They're certainly not too good for anybody at any position. <laughs> I just mean they're clearly going to lose a lot of football games this year. Like, I mean, I just, I yeah. just would that would make no sense to me. Just, right. It looks just like they're trying to get try to get Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. Like, who are we kidding at this point? Exactly. And then finally, last one from Dan Arisini, which was four minutes after the Jaguars tweet. I'm told the Saints and Titans have their players calling and texting Clowney to convince him where he should play. Coaches, too. So when I say coaches, too, I don't think that the Saints have a bunch of position coaches who are texting and calling Clowney, but the Titans actually might because Shane Bowen, defensive line coach, outside linebackers coach, Anthony Midget, secondary coach, uh, Pat O'Hara, quarterbacks coach, and obviously Mike Vrabel, and Jonathan Joseph, cornerback, all spent time with Clowney in Houston. Those are the types of guys that are texting him. And then we saw Taylor Lewan fire off a tweet, multiple tweets about how Clowney should come to the Titans and help destroy people like he did when he was at South Carolina playing against Lewan at Michigan. And Will Compton tweeted this nice, very nice package that Bussin with the Boys would put together to to throw right. Clowney's way on top of whatever the Titans are offering. Included so, an almond milk ice latte. 16 ounces only. 16 ounces. That's Very right. Specific Big there. one. Um, not a 20 ounce venti, just the grande 16 ounce. Yeah. Um, which I thought it was great to see the Titans players getting involved. And the, the point of all this is that we have had a lot of like reports and unsubstantiated bullshit, but this is not. This is like, it's finally moving. We're finally going to get a resolution on Clowney. This, all this Saints stuff, 
the Saints only have like three and a half million dollars in cap space. They could probably like clear up to seven and a half million if they needed to, but they would have to do a really weird structured deal where it's like technically a three-year deal, but the last two years are voided and it's a huge signing bonus and the cap cap has to be spread out because they only have so much space this year. And then next year they would be in true cap hell where they're already like $75 million um, over the cap if the cap goes back down to 175 million, like some people have projected. So the saints are in a world of hurt when it comes to the cap, the cap may, the cap may be a myth, but the saints need like a little bit of breathing room before they're able to sign Clowney. So I don't really know if any of these reports can be taken seriously. I should say this other guy, Nader, who is super confident in the, in the saints also tweeted that a deal is done one year, $10 million. Now look, Nader, if you want people to take you seriously, you got to have a realistic number out there because one year, $10 million. If Clowney, if Clowney actually accepts a one year, $10 million offer to play with the saints, I will be extremely frustrated on behalf of the Titans who have clearly been pursuing him all year, who are rumored to have offered as high as 15 or 16 million already for him that we heard the Browns offered 17 or 18 million. And he turned that down because he wants 20. You're telling me he's going to take a $10 million deal to go play in a four, three defense with a bunch of people he's not played with, with a bunch of coaches he's not played for, when he could make more money in Tennessee, know that his role will be defined by Mike Brabel, who has coached him to his best statistical season he's ever had, and set him up for a potentially big payday that he's been seeking when 2021 free agency rolls around. So I don't really understand why Clowney would choose the Saints in this scenario, if any of this is true. But again, the point is, real reporters with real reporting, with real news about teams that are making pushes to sign a guy, we should have a resolution by this before or after, shortly after the 53-man rosters are resolved. So if the Titans keep like a sixth outside linebacker on Saturday and Clowney hasn't signed yet, that guy's probably gone. <laughs> I mean, what a night it's been, right? It just seemed like the news was firing off fast and furious. Yeah, all uh, those what, tweets came out within like yeah. 80 minutes of each other. And every one of us was just constantly refreshing our Twitter timelines. looking Glued for the- to my phone. I got a headache. I was glued to my yeah. phone for so long today. But um, it, it's crazy. Obviously, I'm, I'm glad to see it coming to an end, right? It's obviously going to come to an end over the next three days. Um, look, all, all I'll say is I, I take my reputation very, very seriously. Uh, that, that, you know, I, I know I'm not, I'm not Ian Rappaport. I'm not Adam Schefter and yada, yada. But. You know, I've broken a little news in my day and I take my reputation very seriously. I would not run with something um, unless I was very, very confident in it. You know how I am. Any news I've ever broken, I heard it from the player. I heard it from the agent. It was, it was official. So to see a couple people, you know, but unfortunately not everybody is like that, right? I guess we're going to find out about a couple people, right? How, how legit is the Saints guy? You know, I, Neil Driscoll over at Pro Football Network, you know, I have a lot of respect. I know a lot of good people over at the Pro Football Network, a lot of respect, love, and admiration for them. And I feel like Neil um, was involved in, I think he helped break the Laramie Tunzel trade when, when Tunzel was traded from Houston to Miami. I know Pro Football Network were from the first Miami ones who were on that. Sorry? From, from Miami to Houston, you said back. Sorry, from... From Miami to Houston, yes, of course. My apologies. I, I know uh, Pro Football Network were the first ones um, on that Tunsil trade. So I know they are very legit. They've got a great reputation and they've got a lot of fantastic people that work there. So they're saying Tennessee, you got well, this guy. He also said, I'm hearing the Titans are front runners. Whereas Nader right. has said, done it's deal, done. one yeah. year, 10 million, it's happening. So, oh man, like I said, that for the also, sake of his own reputation. Yeah. 
That also, uh, though, like, is kind of telling to me, like, the guy that you know to have a good reputation is being a little more conservative with his, he's not, like, right. definitively saying it's the Titans, which, right. doesn't that make you think that he's maybe a little more believable than the guy who's, uh, I mean, if it was one year, 10 million, and he had it, and, like, two hours later, Rappaport was like, it's done, then we'd be like, oh, shit, this guy got it, but it's already past that, almost. It almost feels like, if yeah, that was true, I, I, I'd be surprised know. if those terms are correct. If it's only yeah. $10 million, I'd be shocked. That Not just because we thought Clowney was going to sign for more, but because by now, it's been three hours since the guy tweeted, four hours since the guy tweeted it. By now, we would know if it was real. That's how I feel. Like yeah, somebody you, you else would have confirmed it for real. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you could definitely be right. Like I said, that, that guy is extremely confident that, uh, that it's happening in the world. Like I said, I, I personally... Don't run with anything unless I know it's done. Yeah. If he this, well, we're gonna find out. You know what I mean? Yeah. If sometimes I, I you gotta take your shot. Like I mean, that, we were talking, we were talking about this a little off air, but like you can get scooped in five minutes if you think you have it. Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, I don't think that you would ever do this because it's not worth being wrong to you. But maybe this guy's nope. like, "This is my shot at the big time. If I'm right, it'll pay off. If I'm wrong, everyone will forget that I was wrong and it won't matter." Which. Sometimes maybe. is how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like I said, I, I kind of take being wrong in, very seriously, right? I don't, I don't want to be wrong. I remember I broke. I remember the first piece of news I ever broke was when Josh Klein resigned oh, yeah. with the Titans, and I remember I got a call. Um, I got a call saying, "Hey, it's a done deal." And, and even then, uh, you know, and I, I got, I, I looked at the guy and I said, "You're sure." And the guy was the guy, if you know what I mean. And he's like, I'm sure. And I, can we cuss on here? Can we cuss on yeah, here? Yeah, I said bullshit earlier. Okay, I said, I looked, I, I, I got a little ballsy. I said, you're not going to fuck me on this, are you? You're not fucking me on this. And he, no, man, if I'm telling you it's done, it's done. So I had to question him about three times before I even ran with it. And, he, and that was the first time I ever broke anything. And I was still, as excited I w- as I was to break something, I was still so incredibly reserved to make sure that like it was checking done. to see if Rappaport had tweeted it yet to confirm just so right. felt better. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, when someone else did tweet it about maybe 15 minutes later and it did feel good to know that I that I had it. But um, but yeah, like I said, that's just me. I don't run with anything unless I'm really sure. But again, not everybody's like that, unfortunately. We're going to find out about a couple people over these next couple of days. Yeah, no kidding. Inked up Shane. We haven't forgotten. <laughs> Don't even get me started. All right. Well, anything else you want to add on our last preseason, offseason, not a real season episode? No, that, that, I think that covers it. I think we had some good stuff here, some 53-man roster stuff. Um, if you haven't yet, head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Um, I, I published an interview today with Ed oh, Reed. Yeah. I was very honored to get to spend some time with Ed Reed this morning, who, by the way, was a very cool person. Um, just a really nice guy. I had a great conversation with Ed and he didn't find it weird that all I was asking him about was his rivalry with the Titans. You know, I really wanted to do this for Broadway and, and have fun with it. Cause I think that was, you know, uh, that Baltimore Tennessee rivalry was a fun one that people forget about in the late nineties and early two thousands. So Ed, uh, he appreciated it. We had a great time talking about that rivalry. We talked a little about social activism. We talked about Kevin Byard. I thought it was very cool. Obviously Ed Reed played, um, for Dean Pease in Baltimore, who, of course, uh, was the defensive coordinator for the Titans. Ed was honest with me. He said, look, I haven't watched a ton of Bayard's game, but me and Coach Pease talked to this very day, 
Last year, we talked a lot and we exchanged a lot of texts. And Pease always talked to me about Bayard and always told me that he was doing a lot of the same things in Tennessee uh, with him that he did with us and with me in Baltimore. So Ed actually, um, Ed actually said, you know what, I would love to sit down with Kevin and I would love to watch him tape with him and pick his brain, let him pick my brain, understand what he's all about. Before I can give you a full evaluation on his game, I need to understand how he watches tape and how he approaches the game. I put that out there on Twitter. Uh, Kevin Byard responded and said, look, let's make it happen. So we're going to try to put that in motion, man, at Broadway. We want to get Kevin Byard and Ed Reed in a room together and get them watching some tape. So that was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast doing that piece with Ed this morning. What a, what a classy guy. Um, and read some of our other pieces, man. Mike Mike Herndon did a great 53-man roster projection, uh, not you know recently. John Glennon also did a 53-man roster project, projection. Pretty I would different. highly recommend that you read both of those pieces ahead of Saturday's deadline. They were pretty they different do, from each other, yeah. Yeah, they do see some things quite differently. Obviously, both of them are are great writers, and that we're that we're all you know happy to have over at Broadway. So make sure you read both of those pieces and catch up on the pods, man. Second and victory, they did their 53-man roster projection as well. So check it out, man. We got a lot of content coming your way. Yeah, no kidding. And just before we get out of here for for real, just going to talk a little bit about how our show will proceed. See, our format's going to change slightly because starting next Friday morning when we come out, we're going to be fully focused on previewing the Denver Broncos. And every week this season, that's going to be our main topic. That's going to be our main focus as the Broadway sports preview show because we come out on Fridays the last day of the week before the weekend hits you so that's what we're going to be focusing on so tune in next week we got some we're going to hit you with some info about the Broncos that you need to know get your scouting report as the Titans head up to Denver for Monday night football we'll be back next week to preview that until then please head over to Twitter and follow our show at MCA Broadway we'll tweet out all the episodes as soon as they come out You can subscribe to that podcast, The Music City Audible. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, just search Music City Audible, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen, you will will find us there. And you can follow Justin on Twitter. I already mentioned this. He's going to be breaking news. Saturday is going to be a big day for Titans news. So make sure you're following Justin at Justin M underscore NFL. You can follow me for all my clowny videos that will be coming out as soon as he signs at Titans Film Room. And that's it. That's all I got. Tighten up. And hopefully we don't have to call any more Music City Audibles. Is that lame? Should I stop ending with that? I don't know. Yeah, that's incredibly lame. We're going to cut that out. We're not going to cut it out because we give you guys the unfiltered, authentic (laughs) analysis. So that'll do it. Tighten up. A Broadway sports media production.